The holidays have come and gone, the days are getting longer, and that all adds up to time to focus on the outdoors again. We're going to talk about that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to us, as always, by the fine folks at Sportsman's Warehouse. Visit them at sportsmans.com or any one of 140-plus stores nationwide. It is finally past the holidays, and I love the holidays. Don't get me wrong. Uh, a lot of hustle and bustle, but I'm not always a giant fan of the change in routine that the holidays bring. I'm an outdoors guy, and uh, I like to be either in the outdoors or planning on being in the outdoors or whatever, and all that focus gets lost around the holidays. I suppose it's, uh, it's probably healthy that that's the case, and I honestly hope everybody had a great holiday season, uh, Christmas, New Year, Hanukkah, whatever, uh, all of those things. Uh, hopefully you guys had a great season. I know we did here, pretty quiet. Spent most of the time outdoors and uh, pretty happy about that all the way around. So, but now it's January and it's moving forward. And I thought I'd go over a few different things uh, that we have as options for us this time of year uh, as outdoors folks. And I also want to get some business on and off the books here real quick. Uh, first off, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis and you happen to be in the Colorado Front Range area, I would love to meet you at the Denver International Sportsman's Exposition that's coming up uh, the 11th through 14th at the Colorado Convention Center here in, in, uh, in Denver. Uh, that's, of course, January 11th through 14th, so next weekend. I uh, will be on hand personally on both Friday and Saturday, the 12th and 13th. I'll be doing several presentations each day. Uh, one of the things I'm going to be talking about there is going to be a bank fishing uh, seminar. I'll do that each day. Uh, it's something that I didn't, I've not really talked a lot about over the years. For a, for a guy that makes a living in fishing and been doing it for 20 years, uh, you get really screwed into working in the boat. It's all your tackles there, all your tools are there. Uh, you hook the truck up to it and drive away and you're ready to go. I don't have to pare anything down. I don't have to you know make any changes or whatever. And that's all fine and well. But what I found out is not everybody has boats. And, uh, and when I say I found that out, I kind of came to that realization after I got enough comments over a couple year period that, look, man, we'd like you to address some things that have to do with those of us that don't have boats. And so one of the things I'm going to talk about is a bank fishing presentation bank titled Banking on Bank Fishing. And I want to point out that, so especially since I just told you that I've been fishing out of a boat pretty heavily for, you know, two decades now, I want to point out that I do live lakefront and I fish from the bank on a regular basis, not necessarily in a lot of places, but for sure in areas around my hometown, uh, I fish from the bank a fair bit, whether that be ponds or reservoirs or rivers as well. And I'll get to that here in a second uh, as well. But I do a fair bit of bank fishing. In my shop, it opens up directly to the lake, so I keep rods rigged hanging there, and I can walk down and fish on a whim. So basically, I had decided this time last year that I was going to focus on bank fishing for the, that whole last season. So for all of 2023, I made a concerted effort to catch fish from the bank uh, more, in more places than I did normally and, and to to specifically go bank fishing more. And 
it doesn't matter what, how fancy your boat and stuff is. You, you, the fish don't care. It, really what they care about is you have good fundamental techniques. And so I needed to work on that more than anything else. So rather than go spend a bunch of time in the boat, I cut my boat time back a little bit and focused on bank fishing. So hopefully I'll be able to convey some of the things I learned at the Denver International Sportsman's Expo, or I reinforced, I should say, uh, at the at the Sportsman's Expo here coming up. So love to have you come by for that. Another part of that expo that I'm gonna talk about besides bank fishing is a spin fishing in rivers. Now I live in Colorado and there's an uh, this kind of a stereotypical, oh, well, you live in Colorado, you must fly fish in the rivers. Well, no, not really. I do fly fish in rivers. I've been doing it since I was a kid, uh, and I love to do it, but I don't do it all the time. And there's a lot of people that address uh, fly fishing in rivers, including guys that are, you know, full-timers. Like at the International Sportsman's Expo, you'll see guys like, like Pat Dorsey, who's been guiding anglers as long as I've been alive on, on fly fishing rivers. You know, there'd be, I'm sure, Landon Mayer and guys like that will be there. Those guys might be better tuned in to helping you um, fly fish in a river because that's all they do. On the other hand, I fly fish some of the time and I spin fish some of the time, same as in my traditional angling and uh, or my stillwater angling, I should say. And so that makes me in a position that I can maybe do a better job of talking about this spinning fishing in a river. And I'm a big believer in, in river spin fishing. And uh, and I know a lot of you are as well. So that's another presentation I'll be doing at the International Sportsman's Expo. So check those things out. Uh, it should be fun. I'll be in the experts corner as well uh, for an hour each day. And the experts corner is basically I'm there to answer questions. So I'll be set up and a kind of a booth and you can come in and sit down and talk and we can or, or come in and stand there and talk and we can go over whatever you want to go over. I, I generally um, just sit there open-minded and just talk with whatever. It might be anything from teaching your kids to fish to, geez, I'm going to Florida on vacation and, and what do I bring? So that's another possibility to interact there. And I will say this, if you do see me at the Denver International Sportsman's Expo, please come and say hi. I, I see people, I'll catch them out of the corner of my eye and they'll be looking, oh, hey, oh, I think that's a Chad guy from TV. Well, come say hi. I'm, I'm just a guy that likes to fish. I just happen to be able to talk and fish at the same time. So they gave me a TV show. So, uh, but at the end of the day, I love to talk fishing as much as the next guy. And I certainly love to fish. And so let's talk. I uh, would love to visit with you there. So if I don't see you at the International Sportsman's Expo, the following weekend, the very next weekend, so what is that, the 18th, 19th, 20th, whatever of January, I'll be back in the Colorado Convention Center uh, for the Denver Boat Show. Now there I won't be doing any presentations per se, but I'll be on hand along with the folks at uh, Crowley Marine, uh, Crowley Marine Boat, Deal Boat Center. They've of course, where I source all my Ranger boats and have for a very long time, 15 plus years. Uh, I've worked with those guys forever, Brent and, and Keith and, and Dave and all of them, great, great guys down there. They are, they're the ones that put my boats together, maintain my boats, uh, and make sure that my boats are in shop con top condition all the time and ready to fish. And so great, great team of guys. They all love to fish themselves. So I'll be in the booth with them at the Denver Boat Show uh, along with Ranger Boats. And uh, would love to chat with you there as well. Not sure the timing on that one. I'll for sure be down there on Saturday uh, and maybe down there Sunday as well. And I will post that on our social media app, Fishful Thinker, uh, over the course of the next week. It's, the schedules are still being worked out on that one. So that's another opportunity, again, that I would love to meet you guys, anybody that might be in the Denver region uh, or, or up and down the Front Range of Colorado. I would love to meet you guys there. So uh, hopefully we will do that. 
Uh, also, big, big news uh, for me this weekend, this coming weekend, Saturday, which is January 6th, I believe. Uh, new season, season 28 of Fishful Thinker TV uh, debuts, which is unfathomable for me. I never would have guessed that we would make 28 seasons on TV. Uh, that's an incredible thing for me to even wrap my head around, and uh, and it's only because of you guys. That's the only reason. This, the sponsors are only here because you guys are here, and without you guys, there's no partners that uh, allow me to do this for a living. So I want to say thank you for that. The new shows are, once again, very informative. Um, everything on public water, no private water in there at all. And I do that because I want to keep it as real as possible with you guys. So we have a mix of shows. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy them. 13 new shows, all new shows, uh, all 13 for the full season. And those will be on Altitude Sports and Entertainment as well as the World Fishing Network. So you can look those up. They will stream as well on Fubo and some other places. So check those out as well. But we're pretty excited about that. Uh, Fishful Thinker TV has been a labor of love for a long time. The fact that we've made it 16 years on TV is, is pretty incredible for me uh, to even think about. So I owe that to you guys. So thanks a bunch for that. And hopefully you'll check that out as well. So let's move on to something a little more useful for you guys at this point. I treat this thing more like a radio show than a podcast sometimes. Uh, but I do want to talk about a couple opportunities that are going on uh, around the West and that I think is something that, particularly my Colorado contingency, uh, let's talk a little bit about tailwater fishing. I just want to touch on opportunities we have to, available to us right now. One of those is for sure the tailwaters. Now, the mountain rivers uh, are now finally getting enough ice on them that they're not really fishable unless you're dealing with tailwater areas. There is some sections of open water on the northern front range where I'm at in the rivers, but by and large, it's the tailwaters that are going to be better for you this time of year. And the biggest thing I wanted to talk about on is to dispel the myth that you have no choice but to fish them with a fly rod and a little tiny uh, a nymph, which is basically what everybody does on the tailwaters around Colorado. And when I say everybody, I'm not generally a guy to lump everybody together uh, and, and speak in generalities like that, but I've spent a lot of time around various tailwaters in Colorado. I grew up in Evergreen, Colorado as a, as a junior high and high schooler. And, uh, and I mean, right in town, there's a tailwater right there in town, Bear Creek. And um, I, I learned to fly fish on the Platte River, which is a famous tailwater below Cheeseman Canyon. So I've spent a fair bit of my time on tailwaters. And generally speaking, 99% of the guys are going to throw a real small nymph, and they're going to do fine with that. I just want to point out that's not the only way you can approach tailwaters, even in the dead of winter. So we filmed with Troy Coburn. Uh, who's one of the best sticks in Colorado. Don't tell him I said that because he's already got a big enough ego. Love you, Troy, but geez, bud, I know you catch a lot of fish. Great dude, one of my favorite people to fish with, and um, very, very confident and competent angler. And he and I did a show in February. It was his idea to go swing streamers on the Platte River in the middle of winter. And it was basically like you'd fish streamers in the fall. We didn't do anything different. We had big streamers. We made 45 degree downstream or cross stream cast, fed it a bunch of line and let it swing across the back of the bottom of the holes. And we caught tons of fish. It was like 15 degrees when we got out of the truck. I didn't even fish for the first half hour because I was so cold. And I'm a straight up pansy when it comes to cold water and cold weather. I do not like cold weather, that's no secret. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was an incredibly effective day of fishing, swinging streamers in the middle of winter time. 
It wasn't some special scenario we went and, and addressed or, you know, oh, we're on this major warming trend, so let's see if we can do this. It was nothing like that. It was like, hey, I've been doing this all winter, and I think most people think that they take, you have to have a nymph to do this, so let's go swing some streamers and see what happens. And you can look that video up uh, on, on our YouTube channel at Fishable Thinker. Uh, look up some of the fly fishing videos. You'll find it on there. But we did really well in the in the middle of the winter doing that. So that's one option available for you that's different than what you already hear about. The other one is, and since I'm going to talk about spin fishing in rivers at the International Sportsman's Expo coming up, I've also filmed several shows uh, fishing in the middle of winter with spinning tackle in the tailwater scenarios. Uh, and that has proven to be effective as well in a couple different ways. And one of them will be to to some degree, maybe even arguable in a big way with people. We fished in the middle of winter time with a lipless crankbait, which is a bass bait by any standard. It was originally invented to, in, I believe, in Sam Rayburn, Texas, to chase bass. Um, the reason it's called a lipless crankbait is it has no lip. It sinks and when you throw it, if you're not familiar with the bait, and it's full of rattles. If you're not familiar with the genre, uh, look up a rattle trap and go from there. That's the inventor of the genre. I personally fish a Berkeley War Pig. It's a better version of a rattle trap, but just about every company makes one. And I have seen that bait be very effective in the middle of winter time. And I think it's because you can you can literally wake fish up. They're cold blooded, and the river's cold, even in the tailwater. So fish in a nice deep hole. They're laying down there on the bottom in the freezing cold middle of winter. They're 80% asleep most of the time. And a lot of them are in very deep holes. And so that makes them hard to access with a fly rod um, That because they're 10, 12 feet deep uh, in a lot of the scenarios, for one. For two, if you put a jig of some sort down there, which is easy to get down there with a jig, but the fish aren't necessarily tuned into feeding well, and so they won't bite the jig. But you drop that lipless crankbait in some of those really deep holes, and then yo-yo it, which is a famous bass technique where you lift and drop. You rip it up hard and then let the bait settle. And when you rip it, it makes a ton of noise with all those rattles inside. And when you, I mean, you hear it, it'll sound like breaking glass almost underwater. And you can hear it above the water if, it's, if you're in an otherwise quiet environment. And you would be amazed at how many fish that are sound asleep and haven't moved in a day and a half literally just pounce on that thing immediately as soon as it jumps and, uh, and makes that, that hard rip to the surface right or, or up off the bottom, I should say. And as soon as you kill it, you lift it, say, two feet and a hard rip up off the bottom of one of those deep holes. As soon as you, you stop that and let it start heading for the bottom, when it rolls over at the top of its, of its deal and starts shimmying its way back to the bottom is when they will smash it. And I have seen them absolutely nuke it. The thing is, when I tell people that, they're not going to believe me. You're not going to do it with confidence. And you're going to do it five or six times and give up on it. And what I found is you may have to do the same thing in the hole two or three times before you'll get a fish to pounce. I almost think it's more of an annoyance for him than anything else. But either way... It works. You just got to get out and do it. And I like a quarter or a half ounce slipless crankbait for that scenario. And you would be amazed at how effective it can be. And of course, then the last one is is the jig, in my opinion. Um, a jig with a, a, a small jig on a spinning rod in the middle of winter can be very effective. This is the scenario where I'll take my spinning rod all the way down to a light or an ultralight power. Most of the time, I'm going to fish a medium light spinning rod 
because I'm not really interested in fishing really small stuff, but there are definitely times in the winter when a 16th ounce or even lighter jig will get you some bites, and that's going to be in areas where I can sight fish them in the winter. So 11 Mile Canyon here in Colorado is a good example of that. Also below Estes Park, below Olympus Dam, uh, really good spot for that as well. And that point I'll do, I'll take some sort of a little, maybe a little tiny uh, crayfish imitation, um, a little soft plastic, like an inch long, inch and a quarter long soft plastic would be an excellent call with that. If it's legal, depending on the, on the tailwater you're in, if it's legal, I would use a little Berkeley Power Nymph that's got some scent built into it. It's not so much that I want the scent in this scenario. It's more about I love the shape and the size and, the, and, and all of that of that particular bait. That would be an excellent call. A little tiny tube jig, like an inch and a quarter, inch and a half long tube jig. Excellent call. And then the last one, and probably the most effective of them, particularly in cold water for me, is a small marabou jig of some sort. Uh, I use some custom ties back to Troy Coburn. Again, Troy ties up a couple of different uh, marabou jigs that are fantastic in the wintertime. They're custom ties. Every time I put them on TV, people email me and they want to buy them, and unfortunately, Troy doesn't sell them. Uh, but it's basically a little marabou jig. You can, it, there's a ton of companies that make them. You can tie them up. They're very, very simple to tie. And the marabou behaves very well in the cold, dense water. And I like them on the small end of the spectrum, but we're not talking about tiny here. Marabou displaces a ton of water. And therefore, if you have too light of a jig head, it moves very slowly. So I generally am going to be in a 16th or an 8th ounce jig head with a, on a very small size hook and a small uh, amount of marabou so that the, the jig's not bulked up too much and then keeping it very tight to the bottom up to and including dragging it on the sand bottoms if you can. If you've got an area that's not cobbles, and keep in mind most of your fish are not going to be in the cobbles in the middle of winter. They're going to be on the gravel bottoms, the sand bottoms, in the slower flowing water. Water. So that little jig can be really good in that. And that point in that scenario, I generally don't want the jig to leave the bottom. I literally want to maintain as much bottom contact with it as I can, all but dragging it along or lifting it up just enough that the current will push it down current. And again, we're not talking about heavy current. We're talking about slow, deep current. And so getting that thing an inch off the bottom, the current will only push it, you know, a couple inches of maybe a foot on the outside. So to keep it moving at all, you just barely pick it up or straight drag it. If it's not snagging, you can drag it. Do that. Trust me. Drag it on the bottom, and you'll catch a lot of trout doing that. And there's also videos of that. Uh, look up, uh, I believe I did that on the Frying Pan River on video. You can look that one up on our YouTube channel as well. And we caught some big old fish in the wintertime um, in the canyon and had a great time doing that. And so, and that was with a marabou jig, dragging it on the bottom as I'm, as I'm describing here. And it worked exceptionally well. So that's a possibility for the wintertime fishing that we have right now, uh, is the tailwaters. And I, and I thoroughly enjoy tailwater fishing other than I don't generally like the crowds associated with them. Um, uh, and therein lies another one of the reasons why I like, um, throwing stuff other than the nymph because that's what everybody's doing. Guys will station in a hole and spend all day standing there. I'll throw out one little benefit of spending tackle in a river, particularly in the wintertime, that often gets not talked about. And that is I don't have to get wet. I don't have to get in the water at all. I don't have to wade. I don't have to... I have the range I need to cover the whole river and the line control I need to cover the whole river without having to wade. 
And particularly if you're talking about shelf ice, that can be dangerous. Wading in cold water can be dangerous. If I can stay out of the water, I can stay warmer, easier, uh, and I can catch plenty of fish with a spinning rod, whereas the fly rod, I may not have room for a back cast, or I may not have the range to get to what I need, or I may not be able to fish over an ice shelf and get, a, get the fish back. And I can do all of that with a spinning rod, which is why I recommend doing, uh, doing that as well. And then lastly, I'll throw out there, if you're going to ice fish, or excuse me, if you're going to fish around the ice and cold and snow in the winter, keep in mind that setting fish in the snow or in the ice is very hard on them. And uh, people say, oh, it's just water, it's just water, but it's frozen water. Set your hand down on on piece of wet ice for very long, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. And the fish is cold-blooded, so it's even worse. He's already cold, so his flesh will literally flee, freeze in a hurry. So if you're going to handle fish in the wintertime, be cognizant of what you set them on. It's no better to set them on snow than it is to set them on gravel. So take care of your fish in the wintertime. Not a soapbox guy, but that's my preach for the day. So I'm going to keep this podcast on the relatively short end, but I know I've got a whole bunch of you that also have access to open water right now. If you're a, if you're listening to me from, from anywhere in the West, we've had a really kind of a strange, warm uh, winter, fall and winter so far. My home lake is still in the mid-40s temperature, which is unheard of for this time of year. And so you've got open water. And that right now, they're fishing fine, absolutely fine, up and down the front range of Colorado. I'm not going to say it's great. You notice I didn't say it's spectacular or anything like that, but it's definitely doable. In the last week, we've caught smallmouth and lots of trout uh, fishing here at Horsetooth Reservoir where I live. But I also know guys are doing the same thing at every reservoir up and down the front range of Colorado. So it's not about my lake. It's about whatever lake you're closest to and getting out and doing some fishing. And with the water temps like they are and the amount of light we're getting, the amount of sunlight we're getting these days, uh, fishing is surprisingly good for everything from stalker trout to smallmouth. And I even know some guys that are doing pretty good on walleyes right now uh, from the bank in open water. So get out and get after them if you can. And any of the bass ponds that are open, some of the ponds around town are starting to freeze a little bit because they're small bodies of water, but most of them are mostly open. And if they're open, uh, man, get after them. In that case, if I'm going to do a bass pond in the middle of winter, one of the ponds around town, I'm going to throw something that suspends. I'm going to throw it in the deepest water of the lake. So if you're thinking jerkbait, you're right on cue. I'm going to throw a, a deep diving jerkbait out into the deepest part of the lake and I'm going to let it hang there as much as I can, work around the outside of where I knew weed edges were in summertime. They will have died back by now uh, and won't be an issue for you to snag, but they still are indicate where light ceases to hit the bottom of the lake. So the weed edge, even though the weed edge is not there anymore, it, it teaches you about light penetration. And wherever that edge was, if you fish that pond in the summertime, you can fish it now. And incidentally, I'll go back to the other thing real quick is that lipless crankbait I talked about for the, for the uh, tailwaters in the beginning, also an excellent choice in the wintertime for bass for the same reasons. Those are about the only two baits I generally choose in the wintertime. Because these are short trips, I don't have time to really work it out. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go fish bass ponds for six hours straight in the winter. So I'll go out for an hour or two. Well, the two reaction baits, the jerk bait and the lipless crankbait, um, generally will be my best bets. Yes, I can catch them with jigs. Somebody's going to say, oh, we should be fishing a jig. The water's cold. You're 100% correct. 
but it will take me a lot longer to figure out what's going on with the fish. Uh, whereas if I can get one or two to pounce on a jerk bait, then I'm, I'm good. And that's usually what I can make happen. And usually they're good sized fish. So if you do catch them in the middle of winter time on that suspending jerk bait at any pond around town, it's usually some of the biggest fish in that pond. So something I would recommend uh, you guys get out and get a get after a little bit if you want to. But the stalker trout are still the the bread and butter right now. When I say stockers, keep in mind they might have been stocked in September uh, or October as 10 inchers, but they'll grow an inch a month. So they're already probably 12 inchers now. And if they're fish that were stocked in spring, uh, now there's a good chance that they're 16 to 20 inch fish and therefore they're, they're uh, going to be a whole bunch of fun to catch. And that's one of the size classes we're catching a fair number of uh, up here at my home lake. So Hopefully that information helps you guys out uh, over the course of the next uh, all ahead as we head into spring. All of our podcasts will be more, uh, uh, say, strictly educational. We've talked a lot about holiday stuff and this, that, and the other over the last couple of weeks. Um, partially because I'm not fishing as much as I normally do. Partially because it's what's relevant on everybody's mind. But going forward, as we head into spring, we'll get focused on some really uh, hardcore fishing topics and stuff that I think will. Uh, will resonate well with you guys. And for the record, Chad at Fishful Thinker is my Gmail or my email address, not my Gmail. Chad at FishfulThinker.com is my email address. Um, shoot me an email if you have an idea for a, for a podcast. I would love to hear it. Also, recipes, anything like that. Love to hear from you guys. So shoot me an email at any point or join the conversation on social media. That's at Fishful Thinker, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, TikTok's a little bit more varied content for us. It kind of mix it all up from deer stuff all the way to trout and, 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 and warm water fish to cooking and all of the above. So hopefully you'll check that out as well. Most importantly, guys, please check out our YouTube channel. We're putting a lot of effort into that. And uh, some of the videos are raw to preserve the credibility of the video. In other words, you can watch and see what actually happened with no edits, which I feel like is important a lot of the time. And that's why I put those up. Somebody said, oh, you're too lazy to edit. No, no, not true. I can edit it together and make it look like anything I want. It's that I put a credible video up because it is not cut. It is not edited. Therefore, you know what actually happened. You're not getting the headlines. And hopefully you guys see some value in that. But there's also full episodes, cooking, and everything else on there as well. So, I appreciate you guys listening, and this has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.